right. I want you to notice what it says in verse 6 uh, there of Titus chapter 2. It says, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So, uh, what I want to talk about this morning is about being sincere in your beliefs. We see here in this uh, passage here that the Apostle Paul, he's kind of addressing several different groups of people, but he gets here to the young men, and you'll notice the specific things that he mentions with young men about how they need to be sober-minded. He's given instructions that, you know, I think you and I could relate to just uh, if you're a, an older man, you were a young man at one time, and you remember when you were like the young men. You know, you kind of understand how they think and how they act. You know, you were there at one point. You know, even if you're a lady, you can kind of see the differences. You remember how your husband was in his younger days versus how he is in his older days. And the thing is, while we all have challenges throughout our life, they do kind of change over time, don't they? There are certain things that were a bigger problem when you were Uh, you're a little uh, slower to act on certain things where young people are just really quick to pounce on stuff. You know, so there's there's commons or there's there's problems that are common among certain demographics. I think we would all agree with that. Right. And so uh, one thing we often see, too, it's the same principle applies with new Christians. OK, with someone who is newly saved, uh, there's certain challenges that they've got to overcome. And certain things that are common with that new babe in Christ versus that, you know, older, more mature saint who's been saved for several years. There's just certain things you can kind of expect. And one thing where new Christians need to be careful, you know, it's about getting, it's, they need to be careful about getting overzealous too soon. All right, because zeal, it's a good thing, but it does need to be according to knowledge. We see in Psalms chapter 10, uh, where the Apostle Paul, he brings up Israel. You know, he said, he said my brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. He says, but they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Okay, Israel, the problem wasn't that they were just kind of like Americans and just, I don't care, you know, just whatever. No, the, the problem with Israel, they were very zealous. They were very intense about what they believed. But their problem was they were wrong. So, yeah, they were zealous, but they were wrong. So who cares about that zeal? And that's often the case when it comes to a new Christian. There's a lot of things they haven't learned yet. There's a lot of things they haven't experienced. And they can get real excited and they can get real zealous. But they're often just dead wrong on some things. Or maybe just dead wrong in their behavior. And so, you know, you'll, you want to be able to correct it. And, you know, and I, and I say all this, too, because, you, you know, I think you all probably know that when it comes to our church, you know, we're kind of known as having some extreme beliefs, you know, or being, you know, we'll, we'll be accused of being those fringe right-wing types and stuff. And, you know, the truth is what we preach here, what I preach from this pulpit, I think, you know, I prove from the scriptures. And, the, but the truth is, sometimes people, they can kind of come into a church and they just kind of jump in and they go along to get along. And then at the same time, they can get real mouthy about it too. You know, and I, I see that where it's like, all right, I've joined this side. You know, I'm a Baptist now. And they get real mouthy about being Baptist, but they don't know anything yet. And they're out there running their mouths, trying to instruct everybody, rebuke everybody, teach everybody. And then they end up looking like an idiot. And then they end up giving up, flopping out, failing, and then making the whole cause look bad. And, you know, and it wasn't that they were a bad person. 
they were just zealous, they were excited, but they just didn't have any knowledge yet. And I believe what we see here with the Apostle Paul, what he's warning the young men about, or what he's admonishing them to do, I think if we would all do this, it would help us to avoid some of these things, and avoid some of these mistakes, so we don't end up making our cause look bad. Because we've got to remember, the Christian life, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You've probably heard that saying before. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. A lot of people, they get real excited. If you, ever, if you ever go run a 5K or a 10K, or a, I've never ran a marathon before, but one of the things you'll see sometimes, and it's usually that young guy, you know, there's going to be some young guy out there, you know, he's like all ready to go, he's all excited, and he just, man, blasts off and from the gate, but then he flops out before it's done. And I, I've done a lot of those things before. I do a lot of running and I've seen a lot of guys that physically, I mean, it was obvious by looking at them, they were in way better shape than I was, but yet I can beat them in a 5K. You know why? Because when it comes to running, I have experience, I have knowledge, I know how to pace myself, where these young guys, they're just excited and zealous, and they do, man, they just take off running, and then they kill themselves. And I've seen that many times, and, and that's just, it's a lack of experience. It's a lack of knowledge there, and that happens in the Christian life all the time, and so we've got to be careful. We've got the things of God should be something that transforms us, not something that we just conform to. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, uh, the Apostle Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. We're not supposed to be conformed to the world. But we're not necessarily supposed to just conform to the things of God either. Notice what it says. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One thing that we have going on in a lot of churches today, because the preaching's hard in that church, because there's a lot of zealous people in the church, people come in and they just want to fit in. And so all of a sudden, they start changing their ways. Not because they've been convinced in their mind, not because the preacher's done a good job of showing them from the scriptures why these things are right. They're just conforming. They come walking in, well, this is what everybody else is doing. This is what I'm going to do too. And the truth is, they've not been transformed in their mind. They've not been convinced. They've not been convinced of it in their heart. And so they're just going along to get along. And folks, I've been in church my entire life, and I see it over and over again. How people do, they get into church, all of a sudden they've got dress standards, all of a sudden they, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're getting, rid of, they're getting rid of this music, they're getting rid of these movies, and then as soon as they get out of that church, all of a sudden everything changes. I mean, within a month of them leaving a fundamental Baptist church, they're, you, know, you can see the pictures they're posting on social media, you know, they're right back to dressing like the world. It's like they forgot everything that they supposedly learned in that church. What happened? Here's what happened. They didn't learn anything in that church. They just conformed to that church. And then they went to the liberal church, and then they conformed to that church too. But when it comes to the things of God, we need to let them transform us. You know, you should not make my job so easy as to where just whatever I say goes. Okay? And I see a lot of pastors do this. The way they preach standards, you want to know how you ought to dress? Look at my wife, ladies. That's how you ought to dress. Well, that's not how he's supposed to be done. Why, I ought to be able to teach them from the Bible. I ought to be able to teach Bible principles that they can look at and they can figure out for themselves and then they can be convinced in their mind. I, just, I can't just say, let's look at my wife. 
That's a lot, and I don't want to put that kind of pressure on her either. But that's not, you know, well, you know, how am I supposed to act? Just look at me. Now, I should set a good example. It should help you figure out what's right by watching me and by, by, by following my lead. But the problem with me just doing that, you're only going to conform. The goal is to be, for you to be transformed, for you to be convinced in your mind. Because if you start doing the things that I'm doing that the world accuses me of being weird for... I want you to make sure you're at least sincere when you're doing it and don't make us all look like phonies. Because there's a lot of people out there that are on our side when it comes to a lot of things, when it comes to the fundamentals, when it comes to standards and a lot of doctrine. They're on our side, but they're making us look like idiots. You know why? Because they're phony. They're not sincere. It's not real to them. They've just decided, you know, I'm going to hop on this bandwagon. I'm going to get involved in the independent fundamental Baptist world. And I'm going to act like these people because I like them right now. The problem is, as soon as they don't like us anymore, that's all going to change. And then they're all going to be the next one out there. I was a part of that IFB cult one time. And, you know, and then I saw the light. You know, no, you've just conformed to another group now. You never really were one of us. You were just doing these things out of convenience. You were just doing it to fit in with the club. You were no, you know, it was no different than a guy who goes to the Elks Club and wears a weird hat or whatever, you know, these clubs and things they have out there. It was no different at all. You know, you just, you conformed. Nobody proved it, made, took the scriptures and proved anything to you. I promise, folks, everyone who's out there dressed like Amish people in town, they didn't get that from the Bible. They've conformed to a religion that they're a part of. You know, why, are, why do they wear bonnets? You know, why do they all wear black? You know, why do they do all these things? Where do they get that from the scriptures? They don't. They've conformed to something. That's not what we're about, and it's not sincere. It, it's not the real thing, and as soon as they get mad at the Amish, they're going to go and join another group and dress like them. That's, it's the way it always goes, and so... We're not supposed to just come in here and go along to get along. We ought to find out why. Hey, why, you know, why are these people in this church doing the things they're doing? Why are they dressing that way? Why do they talk this way? Why do they believe these things that they believe? In Romans 14, verse 5, it says, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth, esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he that eateth not giveth God thanks. This is talking about, you know, esteeming one day above another, all right? We've got Christmas coming up, right? Now, most of us in here, we really like Christmas, don't we? You know, Christmas is a big deal, okay? But at the same time, we're not commanded in the Bible to observe the birth of Christ. And we're especially not commanded to observe it on December 25th. And so, you know, we're not, you know, this, this is just a kind of a side note, you know, don't beat people up if they don't celebrate Christmas like you do, all right? If they don't have a Christmas tree, don't call them Scrooge and say bah humbug and stuff like that, you know, some people might not be convinced it's not pagan. I'm convinced it's not pagan, okay? But somebody else might not be convinced it's not pagan. Since we're not been commanded by God, let's leave them alone. Let's not just make everybody conform to what we do. Let's not make everybody be exactly like us on, in areas where we haven't been sp specifically commanded by God. And truth is, many people, though, they've not been fully persuaded in their own mind. It's just like, well, this is what I've got to do to get along. This is what I'm going to do. 
and that's not good. Now we've got another phony in the camp. Now we've got another person who's not sincere in what they're doing, and he's going to make the cause look bad if it is something where we're right. So we've got to watch out for these things. And so this is, this is a problem often with young Christians. It's just kind of a normal thing. It's part of growing up. Right? These aren't bad people. Okay? We were all there at one point. It's just something that we've got to be ready for. You know, all of us who are men in here, we, we were all young men at one point. I still like to think I'm a young man, but I, I don't know if I can say that much longer because uh, I'm about to hit 40. And I've, I've thought my whole life that was old. But, but you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's not looking that old anymore. But, you know, it's one of those areas where you change and you mature. You know, these young punks that think 40's old, you know, then you grow up and then you learn the truth that, you know, that's just, that's prime, right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I've still got a year left of youth. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, but let's, so let's look at a few things here. You know, so how can we make sure that we are the real thing, okay? Because this is what every, every one of you in here... You need to ask yourself these questions. You need to do a personal evaluation when it comes to your beliefs and what you practice and especially in what you preach. You need to make sure that you follow these things. And so I'm not just talking to young men here today. I think this is something that can apply to everybody. But this is something where the Apostle Paul singled out young men because it is. It is a little more common uh, with young men and I think definitely young Christians too. So first thing he said... Here's, he says, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. What does that mean? It means you know, we need to take things serious. We need to take the things of God serious. We need to take our beliefs serious. When it comes to what the Bible teaches, and especially when it comes to teaching other people, we want to make sure we're telling the truth. We want to make sure before we go out and we're trying to change people's minds on things, we better make sure... We've got the truth. We better make sure we're doing the right thing. Let's take this thing serious. Too many people are just too quick to just go and you know, blurt out whatever they heard last. Not having any real knowledge. Not having any personal experience. We need to be sober-minded. We need to take it serious. And, and you know, it's okay. It's okay for you to make a preacher prove something to you before you follow it. Now I've heard this I've heard this preached other ways, you know, growing up. I've heard some of these real just controlling nut job preachers, oh, just follow the man of God, follow the man of God. You know, you ought to follow my leadership. Just do what I say. I mean, and that's exactly what they preach. Just do what I say. And they don't prove anything from the scriptures. You know, it's okay for you to, you know, make me convince you. And I'm not talking about just being argumentative. You know, some people they just you know, they just want to argue. You know, you're never going to convince them, even if you give them clear scripture. But some people, they don't, even, they, don't, they don't ask for anything. Just, well, whatever the preacher says, that's what I believe. Well, that's dangerous, okay? Just, you know, ask, ask the Catholics after Judgment Day how that worked out for them. You know, it, there's a lot of people that are going to trust their preachers and trust their priests right into hell. And we don't want that to be the case with us. So, you know, it's okay to make the preacher prove something. That's what the Bereans did. God commended the Bereans because, you know, they received the word with all readiness of mind. They listened to the preacher wanting to learn, but then they went and daily searched the scriptures to make sure he's telling the truth. They went and checked up on him. They went and checked up in the word of God to make sure this was true, what's going on. Make him do a thorough job. 
some things are not real clear in the scripture and they're not spelled out. So, you know, before you go shooting off your mouth, just because you heard me shoot off my mouth, you know, make sure that you have been convinced that I'm right. Otherwise, you're just an echo. You're just a parrot. And there's a lot of people doing that. They're out there. They're even saying some of the right things, but it's not hard to tell. They're just poly parroting what they heard from somebody else. And you, before you go out there just echoing me or echoing some other preacher, are you sure? Have you looked, have you looked it up? Okay. And, and, you know, sometimes too, even good preachers, they get some things wrong. So it's like, well, I know he was right on this and this and this, so I'm going to just be his echo all the time. Well, then you're going to look like an idiot when those times come where he's wrong. You know, you ought to be convinced on everything, you know, because some things aren't real clear. Some things that are taught, that preachers teach, often, you know, they take time to understand and are learned from experience. You know, there's some things you just, I can't necessarily just pull out a scripture verse for you, especially when it comes to this subject, too. When it comes to, you know, that person who just conforms versus them being transformed. You know, there's not always just a, a scripture verse that you can just show somebody that just lays out everything in somebody's life. Okay? But time and experience, they are great teachers. And so there's things that people who are more experienced, maybe they can see, maybe they can understand because they've dealt with it firsthand that you might not be able to yet. So, you know, let the people who have experienced these things run their mouth, not just you. Okay? You know, it's like the greatest experts in the world in raising kids are people with no kids, right? Okay, now, now where do they get so mouthy? Because they listen to some other preacher. They don't know that from experience. They heard some other preacher that they trust, and so now they're out there running their mouths. Okay, well, fine. You know, if I'm going to learn about raising kids, then let I'll, I'm going to listen to the guy who has experience versus the one who is just echoing the person of experience. And then a lot of these people get insulted when you don't want to listen to them. But why, why would somebody listen to them? Why would somebody, why would anybody listen to somebody about raising kids who has not raised any kids? That doesn't really make sense. All I believe is from the Bible. Well, every Christian says that. You know, how about we just go and I just listen to ones who have actually done it. I think that would be wiser to follow them because... But a lot of people, they're just, they're so anxious to just be the one telling everybody what to do. And it is, it's okay for you to follow someone's lead when you're not real sure about something in your personal life. But wait until you're sure before you start preaching to everyone else. In First Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Why does it throw that in there with meekness and fear? You know why? Because when people are asking us about the things of God, folks, that's serious. If somebody's asking us about the hope of our salvation, okay, I mean, right there, if somebody's asking us about that, okay, that means they're looking. We're talking about this person's soul. You better take that serious right there, and you better make sure you've got the right answer. And let me tell you something. I mean, that would scare me to death telling somebody the wrong plan of salvation, giving out the wrong gospel, and helping send somebody to hell. So you better believe I've done my homework on that subject when it comes to salvation, and you ought to do your homework in that area. You better make sure you know what you're talking about, and you ought to have some meekness. You don't want to be 
you know, it, it, it would send a horrible message to be proud and prideful when talking to someone about salvation that's not of works, that's completely faith in Christ. Where's boasting in the, in the gospel? It's excluded, the Bible says. So it just, but imagine that person who is just always anxious to just preach to everybody else and they have no idea what they're talking about. You know, you need to make sure you know what's going on before you start preaching. So be sober-minded. And then uh, it also says, in all, in all things, verse 7, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. So before you establish yourself as a teacher, make sure you have a proven track record first. Okay, having shown a pattern of good works. So not I just did a good thing one time. You know, I started going to church last week. You know, I went soul winning last Saturday. You know, we're just you know, people they go and they do one good thing, they learn one thing, and all of a sudden they want to declare themselves teachers. That's not right. Before anyone should listen to you as a teacher, you should have proven yourself in some way, shape, or form. And some people they they're just a little too anxious. To teach in First Timothy one five, you don't have to turn there, but it says, "Now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned, from which such some having uh, having swerved, having turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm." These people, they're anxious to teach. They want to be that know-it-all. They want to be that person that everybody's listening to. But the problem is, they don't know what they're talking about. And because they don't know what they're talking about, they've turned to vain jangling. They're just talking about weird stuff. It sounds good, maybe. They're making a lot of noise, but it's empty. There's no substance to it. And the truth is, whatever we're preaching, it ought to be out of charity, out of love. Love for others, not love for yourself, because you just love to hear yourself speak. It ought to be out of a pure heart. There is no doubt in your heart that you are telling the truth. You know it. You've proved it to yourself. And so you're able to have a good conscience, faith unfeigned, all of that ought to be in place. And that just doesn't come overnight. You just don't decide overnight, you know, I'm sincere, therefore I'm ready to be a teacher. No, you've got to prove yourself. You've got to have that pattern of good works. And it takes time to prove you're the real deal. It mentions in there uncorruptness. How are we going to know that? We, we, people, people need to see something. They need to observe something in your life that proves that. And so you need to be honest with, honest with the Scriptures, and you need to prove that you are someone that can be trusted. And I see this all the time, too, usually with young people. They're always so quick, you know, when they're trying to witness to somebody or maybe straighten somebody out in their doctrine, they want to declare them a heretic or a reprobate. You know, a heretic after the first and second admonition, you know, reject. And I have admonished them twice. On Facebook. And it's like, okay, but wait a minute. All right, okay, great. You know, you, you know, Mr. Punk, all right, who's been saved for 16 weeks, all right, you admonished this pastor who's been preaching for 30 years on the pre-trib rapture, okay? You know, you, and you did. You went and echoed some scriptures to him. You went and echoed some points to him that you heard from someone else. And so now, you know, he's an unsaved reprobate because, you know, he that is of God heareth God's words. If he can't understand that, he's not saved. But wait a minute, wait a minute. 
He's hearing it from you. What have you proved to him? All you've proved to him is that you're a punk. Because you see, the problem that we have out there that people forget is there's a lot of people out there beating their chest saying, I'm preaching the word of God. I've got the truth. There's a lot of people doing that. And they're all saying, I got the truth. And a lot of them have King James Bibles when they're doing that. And so it is, it makes sense that one would consider the source of the information that they're getting. And why would you listen to a guy who you go and you go back on his Facebook feed and six months ago, you know, he's, you know, posting pictures of himself smoking pot. It's like, why, why would you listen to that guy? Because I've got the truth. Okay, we know that because thankfully you're echoing somebody that was telling the truth. But why in the world would that person know that? You know, you've got, and, and the thing is, yes, it was Jesus said, he does of God, heareth, heareth God's words. But who was he saying that to? He was saying it to a people that he had been preaching to and that he had been performing miracles in front of. He didn't do that. He didn't say that to a people that he had just cussed out, you know, six months before. You know, that, you know, he didn't say that to people that had seen him living a wicked life not long before. You know, he's saying this to people who watched him do miracles, who heard him speak the words of God, and who, you know, who did have the Holy Spirit without measure. And you're not, these guys aren't full of the Holy Spirit that are out there correcting everybody. They're out there trying to straighten out everybody. They're full of themselves is what they're full of. And they're always anxious to just throw these things out there, people. They have no idea. And, you know, I mean, nobody would listen to these people. It wouldn't make sense to listen to them. And so they do. They've just decided, though, I've got the truth. I've talked to people that have gone into churches and have just tried to basically pretty much take over that church. You know, they'll go into a church of over 100 people with no soul winning in there. And they know they're right. There should be soul in a church. And they think they're just going to overthrow all the leadership of that church because they've been saved for six months and know that soul winning should be in the church. Well, yeah, you're right. But why would those people listen to you? You know, they don't know you. Since you've been coming to this church, all you've been doing is getting in arguments with everybody in the church. And you just think everyone's going to change? Folks, that's, that was, that's ridiculous. And I'm tired of people pulling these verses out like that and acting like, you know, they have the right and they have proven themselves to a point where because they have decided that someone's a heretic, that everyone ought to just jump on the bandwagon and think they're a heretic with them. I'm sorry. It's, it's one thing if, you know, let's say, for example, some preacher, a preacher that I know personally. You know, it's one thing if I approach him, someone who knows me, someone who, I mean, knows my track record, someone who actually hears me out, listens to me. You know, it's one thing if he rejects me versus some guy he's never even heard of before comes along and just says something. It's like some of these guys, they think now because they've put a YouTube video out or even some preachers because they've preached a sermon that's out there on YouTube that just sets everybody straight on a certain doctrine that now every preacher in the world is accountable for that knowledge that they've received. Well, here's the problem. Not every preacher watched that sermon. Not every preacher is, get, is on YouTube. And so get over yourself. And even if they did hear it, you know, who are you to them? They don't know you. They're not investigating you. It's just amazing how full of ourselves we get. I mean, we are convinced. You know, there's the debate about whether the universe is revolving around the earth or we're revolving around the sun. But, you know, the real debate should be, is the universe revolving around 
who in here is the universe revolving around? Because we think it's all revolving around us. That's the real problem with a lot of people today. They, can't, they think everything revolves around them like they are just the center of everything in the IFB world. And you know what? We're not. We're not. And there's a lot of people that w- would not pay attention to us and should not pay attention to us. You know, and I do. I rebuke people regularly online. I, you know, I get in squabbles I probably shouldn't. But, you know, when I do, you know, I, I do understand, you know, who am I to these people? They don't know me in many cases. And I, I, I just, I don't expect some pastor that doesn't know me because maybe I correct him with a verse of scripture, you know, on a Facebook post that he's just going to go and just change everything he does in his entire church. I, I don't, th- I don't expect that to happen. I'm not that full of myself to, to think that, but some people do. You've got to understand that it's important that you show a pattern of good works. And that's not going to happen overnight, and it's going to take, it, it, it's going to take years. It, it takes years to often to, to be effective. And so don't get, don't get anxious to just declare yourself you know, the heretic finder, because you did. You, you gave two posts. You gave them two admonitions. No, they would have been an idiot to listen to you. They're, they're, there's no reason for it at all. Too many people are out there declaring to be the ones with the truth. And we ought to watch people's works, and that, that kind of thing takes time. So, you know, and, I, and this is just another side thing, too. I'm still trying to figure out what is in between. In, in, in the online world, with just some of these arrogant punks that are just throwing everybody in hell all the time i need somebody to explain to me is there anything in between new ifb and reprobate because it's like you disagree with anything in new ifb you're just immediately reprobate i don't even know why we're going soul winning anymore everybody's reprobate you know it's like there's no there's no there's nobody left to even try you know every baptist preacher is just a heretic or just you know a compromiser you know, because he's just not on our level. He's just not as awesome as we are. And so there, we just shouldn't have anything to do with these, these compromises. You know, just, man, it, it's insane, folks. It, it's really crazy, and it really gets on my nerves. It, it really does. And it's like, you know what? At least that guy, he might be a little watered down, but he's been what he's been for decades. And he's done a lot of good things, and I'm thankful for him. You... You're not watered down at all, apparently, but that's been going on for about six months. So, excuse me, when I respect the guy a little bit more, that's been a little watered down, but been consistent for decades. That, mean, I mean, that means a lot to me. I respect that, and I, I, I don't respect the not watered down guy at all, who, ha, who, can't, who hasn't even ever been in one church for more than a year straight. Now, that, that's another thing to take into consideration, too. You know, we've had some of them come through here. You know, we had a punk come through here one time, him and his family. That, I mean, did, he, his first week he's here, he's just talking about how excited it must be to have these zealous soul winners in his church and stuff, you know, in our church. Like, I, like I, I'm just thrilled that they're here. You know, I'm glad when anybody comes. But, I mean, that guy flopped out in less than a year. It was a total pile of garbage. And is not welcome back in this church. I mean, that, that's just that kind of person is... And the thing is, he's still out there online running his mouth like he's some great guy. And it's like, you're just an idiot. That's all you are. You know, and he was going to try to rebuke me, you know, for supporting people who aren't 
clear enough on the gospel, who aren't as clear as he is. I was like, well, I don't know how clear you think you are, but this guy that you don't think that's clear, he's been doing what he's doing for years and years, has a proven track record. You have a proven track record of about six months of running your mouth and going soul-winning three times and accomplishing nothing. So shut up, all right? I like the other guy better. You're a joke, and I don't care. So, you know, what reasons have you given people to even listen to you? Have you accomplished anything? These are things we've got to consider. All right? I, 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 yeah, you're going to get a lot of truth that you're going to learn from this pulpit. But why would anybody take the truth that you are echoing and listen to you? That's something you've got to consider. You better take it serious. You better be sober. And you better show a pattern of good works. And if you do that, then you will be, then you will eventually start being effective. You need to prove that you're sincere in what you're saying. It says sound speech that cannot be condemned. Paul said sound speech that, that cannot be condemned, that he that is of, uh, of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You know, what, what you're saying, you know, it, it's, it's, it's true. You've got the pattern of good works. They don't, they don't have anything that they can accuse you of. You can't be a hypocrite. Okay? And you, you don't just get to just snap, boom, I'm not a hypocrite. You know, it takes time for someone to learn if you're the real deal. It's going to take time for someone to learn if you're somebody you can practice what you preach. They're going to have to observe you for a while. They're going to have to watch you. Maybe it's a coworker. They're going to have to see how you deal with difficult situations and how you deal with difficult people. They're going to want to watch you. They're going to want to observe. And when after they have seen a pattern of good works for a long period of time, they're not going to have anything that they're going to be able to say. I mean, I, you know, I've, been watch, I've been working with this guy for years, or he's been my neighbor for years. I've seen this, I've seen this situation. I've seen how he acts in that situation. I don't have anything I can accuse him of. You know, there's, there's nothing they can say because you've actually taken the time to prove yourself. So, and you're, you're probably not going to win somebody over with the gospel this week if you were trying to convert them to Mormonism six months ago. And that's why it's tough a lot of times with family. You know, a lot of people, they get saved and they immediately want to tell your family. That's appropriate. But the thing is, depending on your history, they might not want to listen to you for a while. Well, yeah, you remember when you got involved in this cult and you remember when you joined this group and, you know, you, you've got a history of doing a bunch of different things. This is probably just another phase that you're going through. But then maybe after they've seen you do it for five or six years, then maybe they say, hey, he's actually stuck with this. This has actually changed him. This has actually made him a better person. He's actually happy now. You know, maybe this, this one is legit. And then, and only then, they might listen to you. You know, that, that kind of thing takes time. You need to make sure what you say is accurate. You need to make sure what you're saying makes sense. And so just, you know, here's a major tip for spotting a phony, all right? And, and when I say phony, too, I said not everybody that's in a church that's just conforming but not yet transformed is just like this infiltrator trying to deceive, Okay? That, that's not, some some people are honest to goodness, you know, they're honest to good, they're goodness people trying to do the right thing, but they just don't know how, because it's not internalized. They've not been transformed. 
It's not real to them yet. They're trying. Okay? They're going to come in here. I want to do right. I want to get my you know, life on the line. But here's how you can tell the difference between the person who's really got it versus the person who's just trying to fit in. And, and one of the ways, as you'll see, is over-the-top standards. Okay? And you'll see this too. Preachers sometimes, they get real over-the-top with their standards. You know, be, and now, why do they do that? All right? Why do they feel the need to be more strict than God? You ever thought about that? Why are some people more strict than God on some things? I'll tell you why. It's because of the fact that they don't, in their hearts, know what's right. So when you ask them their standard, they're just going to say the most extreme thing, thinking it's going to make them look good. You know, They're going to take the most hardcore position that they've heard of. And if there's a harder core position out there, they'll eventually take that one too. Now, why do they do that? Because it's not real to them. It's not a matter of just doing what's right. It's not a matter of being moderate or anything like that. It's just a matter of, I need to convince these people I'm the real deal. And so, you know, if I'm, you know, if my wife's dressing like a hussy, you know, they're not going to think we're the real deal. So we're going to go to Olson's Mercantile and, you know, buy a uh, uh, Caroline Ingalls outfit and I'm going to make her wear that to church because, you know, nobody can say anything against that. You know, when it comes to, uh, you, know, the, you know, the music I listen to or whatever, you know, they always, just, they always go to the biggest extreme possible. Why? Because it's not a matter of just what's actually right, right and what's actually wrong and what they actually believe. So I've got to convince people. And so preachers do that too. They get up and they're always just going to be the most extreme. Everybody's a reprobate. Everybody's unsaved. Everybody. No, you just, they're saying that because they don't deep down in their hearts really know for sure where the truth is at. They don't know where the balance is, so they take the biggest extreme possible to just try to cover what's you know, the real thing, and that's that they don't know what they're doing. And I'm telling you, right there is a way to, to spot the phonies. The over-the-top standards, the over-the-top rhetoric, you know, why is it that so many people in this movement immediately go from new IFB, you know, to reprobate? And there's nothing in between for them. You know why? Because they're not sincere. They're, they don't really know what they're doing. And so they always feel like they have to say the most extreme thing to make it look like they're, they're the real deal, that they're real hardcore, that they're that on fire, zealous, you know, servant of God. But they, ha they have no balance because it's not the real thing. That person who is sincere, that person who's been fully persuaded in their own mind, they, do they don't need to be over the top. They don't need to be extreme. They're able to actually be balanced and actually say what they believe. And they don't have to put on a show. They're doing what they're doing. They dress the way they dress. They talk the way they talk. Because they know that it's the right thing to do. They know that it pleases God. And they're actually able to do these things and be happy doing them. And they don't care if other people aren't. You know, I don't care, if other, how, I don't care how other people are dressed. I don't care that, you know, when I go into restaurants, I run into old men that are wearing the exact same jacket that I'm wearing, the exact same shoes that I'm wearing. I don't care. And, folks, that has happened more than once where I have gone into places and guys in their 80s, I walked into a store, I think it was Taco Bell, it was Taco Bell this last week, and I think one other time it was Taco Bell, I went in there, and there was a, there was a guy probably in his 80s wearing the same shirt and blue jeans that I was wearing. 
I'm not lying. And he said, man, you know, don't you want to fit in? No. You know why? Because I'm convinced in my mind that it is stupid and it is effeminate and it is queer to wear skinny jeans. And I'm convinced, you know, in my mind and in my heart that it doesn't make any sense to wear baggy britches that are hanging down below your backside. That doesn't look comfortable. Pants that fit are comfortable. You can function in them. And you know what? I haven't had any of these magazine companies calling me asking me to be a model. And so you know what? I don't feel like I need to dress to impress. I just I'm I'm just I dress in a way that's comfortable and that's practical. And apparently that's what old people do. And you know what? I'd rather follow them than these queer little trendies that are out there. And so you know I'm I'm not embarrassed by that. And you know, I don't feel like I've just got to, you know, force everybody you know, to buy their clothes from the senior department. Like, I, I don't mind what you see, but you know, I, same play. I, I don't feel like I've got to do that. And if, and if other people don't do it, it doesn't matter. I, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I know it's right. I'm convinced in my mind. And, and you know what? And it's not grievous. You know, follow, the commandments of God are not grievous. It's not grievous following the Lord. And so I, I don't need to be extreme. I don't, I'm not going to go to the Amish store and buy their clothes. Even though the Amish Mennonites out here, I like the way those, the guys dress. You know, they actually, I kind of, we kind of look alike. <laughs> I, I don't want my wife dressing like the women of the Amish Mennonites. They, they, they take it too far. But the guys look pretty good. Uh, you know, they wear a little more flannel than I do. Uh, but I like flannel. I just, I just don't really have any. But, um, but yeah, it's just too many people. But, you know, I'm not going to go out there and just declare that, you know, Everyone has to do it like me, and if you do not wear the exact same clothes I do, you know you're either a gangbanger or a queer. I, I don't need to, I, I don't need to do that. I understand. I, you know, I'm I'm able to have a balance because there's actually sincerity in what I do. There's actually knowledge in what I do, and so I don't need I don't need to be over the top to make sure everybody thinks that I'm spiritual. You know, and I'm and I'm just the most hardcore guy that's out there. And we do. We have way too many people who are getting burnout and they're giving they're giving up in the Christian life. And it's because they are they're they're just they're sprinting in a mar- at the beginning of the marathon. They're getting a little too zealous before they have any knowledge. They're not testing things out. You know, they're just listening. They're listening to the guy who uses the most extreme rhetoric on the internet. Whoever has the most hardcore position. That's who they're going to listen to. That's who they're going to follow. If somebody takes a bigger extreme, you know, that, that's going to be their new position. And it's because they have that need to persuade. Like, they've got to convince people. There are all these things. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, he warned about that. You've got to be sober-minded. You need to show that pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he does of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. None of this stuff happens overnight. And while I would encourage everyone in here to be not just a a gospel witness, but while I would encourage you to promote the things of God and the Christian ways, just make sure whatever you promote, that you're sincere about it, that you take it serious, and that you actually know what you're talking about first. 
And if there's some areas still where you're like, you know, I just, I still don't get it yet. I still don't know yet. That's fine. Some things take a while to learn. So until you actually learn it, don't go teaching it. Okay? Don't go running your mouth about it. Just keep your mouth shut. You know, if there's an argument that's going on in that area, you know what you're allowed to do? You're allowed to stay out of it. So, you know what, I'm, let me take some time and watch how this thing plays out because I just don't know. It's all right for you to say that sometime. Even as a pastor, sometimes I just got to say, I don't know. You know, you just got to say, I, I don't know. And it's like some people aren't capable of doing that, and they end up making themselves look ridiculous. When I was in school, where there was a young kid in the school, he, he was a real goofy kid, and he would like, no matter what you would ask him a question about, he would give you an answer. And we used to experiment with him and stuff. We would just like ask these like really hard questions that we didn't even know the answers to. And he would give an answer. He would always give an answer. And he did a book report one time. And so, you know, we would always like to, it would kind of get us out of doing schoolwork a little longer. So we'd like to, we were allowed to like ask questions and stuff on their report. And so we would ask him a bunch of questions because he always would give answers no matter what. And it was always just kind of a big joke because everybody knew he didn't know what he was talking about. But boy, was it fun to listen to him try to do that. And you say, that's cruel. I know, but it was funny. All right? <laughs> you you, you got you to do something to entertain yourself in school sometimes. And that's what we did. And, and you know what? There's a lot of people out there, and unfortunately, they're grown, pe- they're, they're grown up people. And they're making Christianity look funny by trying to answer a bunch of questions. They're just not ready to answer. And they're just out there. And you know what they're doing? And them desiring to be teachers... They've turned aside to vain jangling. They're making a lot of noise, and they're not making any sense, and they're making themselves look stupid. And one of these days, they're going to figure out they look stupid, and they're going to get discouraged, and they're going to quit. And they should have just waited. And so I hope this was a help to you. I hope there's, you uh, learn from these things. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray you'll help us all to follow these things. Help us to be serious about the things of God. Help us not to be too anxious to straighten out the world war when we haven't even straightened out ourselves. I pray you'll help us to... I have that sound speech that cannot be condemned. Help us to show that pattern of good works. If there's one here, Lord, maybe they do. They have that desire to teach. But help, Lord, to uh, work on establishing a track record first and doing the right thing. In your name we pray. Amen.